0: Well, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 15, the 15th chapter of the book of John uh, is where we're going to be here this morning. We're going to get there in just a few moments. John chapter 15. We've been going through a series uh, for the past couple of weeks now. It's going to be four Sundays long. Today is week number three, where we've been looking really, I would say, at our mission statement as to uh, why we exist as a church. You, know, you see it on our website, you see it in the lobby you know, on a banner and different things on our, on our bulletin cover From time to time, uh, including today, but we see these four words all over all the time, and it's just simply no, grow, show, and go. And uh, as we've said through the course of these previous couple of weeks, it's those four words that really drive everything we seek to do as a church because we want to lead people to know God, we want to lead people to grow in their relationship with Him, to show Christ. And then also to go with the gospel. And so through the course of these past couple of weeks, what we've done is we've been working through this series, but we've been doing it in reverse. I just felt compelled to to do that in reverse and to move kind of from the bottom up to go in backwards fashion. And so two Sundays ago, we looked at what it means to go with the gospel. And uh, last Sunday, we looked at what it means to show Christ. Uh, to be faithful to show him inside the walls of the church, outside the walls of the church. It's not just about serving here and then going on our merry way, you know, Monday through Saturday and doing nothing to demonstrate Jesus through our lives. It's something we do 24-7. And uh, so we looked at showing Christ last Sunday. And so this morning, I want us to look at the next in line here out of those four words, and that's the word grow looking at a message entitled Growing in Christ, what it means to grow in Christ. And what we're going to see here today is that we have a part to play in growing in Christ, but also God has a part to play in growing in Christ. Not staying where we've always been once we gave our lives to Jesus, but hopefully our desire is that we progress, we move forward, and that we grow in our relationship with God. So whenever we use this terminology when we talk about growing in Christ, for some they don't really know what that looks like. And, and they think to themselves, well, how do I measure that? How do I really evaluate myself? How do I know what it even means to grow in Christ? Well, we use this terminology pretty often. You know, think about it this way: it, when you think of a ball player, you know, say a baseball player, uh, we, we can, if you're a ball player, if you're an athlete, you can look at your sport specifically, and you can say, well, I know how to see if I've grown as an athlete. You know, if I if I'm a baseball player, then I can look back, and others can look at me, and they can say, well, you used to have this level of skill, and now you've got this level. you, know, you used to have this knowledge of, of, of the game and now your knowledge is increasing. You're growing as a ball player. You understand the game better. You have greater skills. You're growing as a ball player. Or you look at an employer and an employee relationship When that employer evaluates their employee, you can look at different things to see if you're growing as an employee. Do you understand the goal of the company better than you used to? Do you see the big picture? Do you understand your role better? Are you doing things to help increase your skills, increase your talents, and to grow as an employee? So we use that terminology there. You think about being a parent or being a spouse, a husband or a wife, And we even use the terminology there, right? I want to grow as a husband. I don't want to be the same old guy I've always been. I want to be a better husband for Susie. She deserves a better husband than she's got. And I want to grow in that. I want to be a better dad to my three kids. I want to grow in those areas. And so what does that look like? It, it, it looks a, a lot like it does in the other areas, as an employee, as, a, as an athlete. It means that you have greater understanding of what your role is. It means you, you have, uh, you've been equipped more than what you once were. It means you're, you're maturing. It means you're going deeper as a person. It means you're growing as a spouse, growing as a parent. And so then when we look at what it means to grow in Christ, it's much the same. It means we see the big picture better than we once did. It means that we're acquiring a, a greater love and a greater passion for God. We're growing in relationship with Him. It means that we, we have qualities in our lives that didn't used to exist. Whereas we didn't look like Christ as much early on, we look more like Him increasingly as time goes on. That's what it means to grow in Christ. And so what I want us to focus on this morning is, is, is exactly that. What it looks like, what a couple of the enemies are, And I want us to see again, as I mentioned earlier, that we have a part to play and that God has a part to play as well. This is extremely important for our church, extremely important for us as followers of Jesus. When you look at a ball player, for example, if if he doesn't grow as a ball player, then he probably can't expect to to play a whole lot (laughs) if he's not growing as as a player. You look at an employee, if an employee is not growing as an employee of whatever company they're a part of. They probably shouldn't expect to get a pay raise or a promotion anytime soon. If we, as parents, if we, as as spouses, husbands, wives, if we're not growing as husbands, if we're not growing as wives, growing as parents, there are going to be real cracks that are going to begin to show up in our relationships. There are going to be real, real issues. There are going to be some things that we're going to need to address if we're not consistently growing. And so we understand that there is a necessity to grow in virtually every area of our lives. But here's what I'm seeing as a Christian, not just a pastor. Here's what I'm seeing as a Christian: that whenever we talk. Talk about growing in Christ, what often happens is that though we see growth as a necessity in virtually every other area of our lives, it seems as though a failure to grow as a Christian is almost accepted as the norm that it is the norm to be lackadaisical. It is the norm to be lukewarm in our relationship with God. And in the body of Christ in this country today, what seems to be applauded more is being kind of in the middle of the road, not going too far off the deep end in regards to our growth in Christ. That could not be further from what God's ideal is. God expects that we grow in our relationships with Him. And though, yes, it is a lot like the stock market, and and it is a lot like those figures where there's a lot of peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys, there should be an upward trend in our relationship with God. That Though there will be difficult times, and though there will be times we'll celebrate and always remember, there should be an upward trend regarding our growth in Christ. It's one of the four things we try to do really well here, is to help equip people and to help lead people to grow deeper in their relationship with God, not just hanging out on the surface, that I gave my life to Christ and that's where everything shut down, but growing deeper and moving further in regards to their relationship with Christ. And so I want to give you just a simple little statement this morning, a little takeaway, and then we're going to build everything around it this morning as we move through a a very, very important passage of scripture. And the statement is this, that spiritual growth is married to, it is married to prayer and reliance upon the Holy Spirit. That when you look at growing as a Christian, if you don't want to just be the same old person you've always been since you gave your life to Christ, if you don't want to be stagnant, if you don't want to just be stuck in a rut, if you want to literally, genuinely be growing in your relationship with Christ, where you think more like Christ, when you seem to make decisions with greater wisdom that you once did, if you have more of a purpose, if you want to grow spiritually in your life, then that, that growth is absolutely married. It is married. That's in, tal- in italics for a reason. It is married to prayer and reliance upon the Holy Spirit. I would go so far as to say that you and I will not be like Christ unless we are faithful to engage deeper and deeper and deeper in prayer and deeper and deeper and deeper deeper in reliance upon the Holy Spirit. It is that important. In fact, I would even go so far as to say as well that our church will never even come close to being the church that God desires us to be unless we are married to prayer and unless we are married to reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Does not matter what program we plug in, doesn't matter what the choir sings or what I preach on or how much energy we none of those things matter. It's not a matter of pressing a b c d, hitting all the right buttons and waiting for spiritual growth to pop out of the bottom of the machine. It does not work that way. And if we're going to be like Christ, conform to the image of Jesus, Romans 8:29, as people, as followers of Christ and as a church, it is not going to happen unless we are absolutely married to prayer and reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Here, here's why I see this as important. When you look at any other relationship in your life, if you're, uh, say marriage, we'll just look at that, the, uh, the marriage relationship. If you don't have communication with one another, and if you don't have trust in one another, you may be married on paper, but you do not have much of a relationship, do you? Why? Because marriage is built on communication and trust. And so for us to be molded into the image of Christ, here, here's where so many, so many Christians miss this. They think going to church is what God wants. Hey, I go to church every day, I, you know that's, that's good enough. Or I'm in a Bible study, I guess that's enough. No, it's more than that. We have to be in communication with God, that's prayer, and we have to live our lives out of a, out of a deep trust and reliance upon, upon the person of the Holy Spirit. Without that communication, without that trust, there's gonna be a very, very weak relationship. So it has to be married. I mean, spiritual growth is absolutely married to that quality of prayer, to that quality of a reliance, specifically upon the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, when, when, uh, when I was putting together that simple statement, I, I, chose, I chose the word married for a reason. Because for a lot of us, we can look at our times in our lives and we have to honestly say, maybe today is even one of those times, we would have to honestly say, you know what, when I look at when I look at prayer in my life, you know, I'm, I'm kind of dating prayer more than I am married to prayer. Would, would that would that be characteristic of you maybe right now? When it comes to being reliant upon the Holy Spirit, you know, Brooks, I'd have to say, you know, I'm kind of dating that whole aspect. I'm not really married to it. There are times I pray, okay? You know, don't get me wrong, I never pray. You know, whenever times whenever things go wrong, you know, I uh, you know I, I I I watch Dr. Phil and I buy me a new book. Right? And, uh, you know, I try to fix everything myself. <laughs> yeah. And then if everything falls apart, then I'm going to pray. Why? Because I, I date prayer. You know, I kind of do it when I need to, you know, and it's going to benefit me, but I don't do it really that often. And when I do, it's just kind of the now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. I, I can't really say I'm married to prayer. You know, I, I kind of date it, but I'm not married to it. It's not that kind of a necessity. Listen, it ha- if we're going to grow spiritually, we have to be married to prayer. It has to be kind of a no-nonsense, non-negotiable, this is, I'm all in, there are no other options, I'm going to have conversation with God whether I feel like it or not. It's that important. And if it's not that important, then we shouldn't expect or get upset if we're not growing more into the image of Christ and if our lives bear the results of that. Same with reliance upon the Holy Spirit. We can't turn to everybody else and everything else to try to find growth in our lives. We have to be dependent upon the person of the Holy Spirit. We have to be willing to say, God, would you live your life through me today? And then we begin to look for the opportunities to grow and to, to, to look for those opportunities to put Him on display as He lives His life through us. It's that important. Spiritual growth is married, married to prayer, and it's married to reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Did a whole message series a couple of, a couple of I'd say about a year or so ago now, I guess, on what it means to walk in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. Why? Because it's that important. So when we look at spiritual growth, when we look at what it means to grow in Christ, it's almost as though that, that is one track, Right? There's one track heading towards growth in Christ, but there are two rails on that track. One rail is our part, and the other rail is God's part. Our part is that we have to be faithful to be people of prayer. We have to be faithful to be reliant on the Holy Spirit, Him living His life through us. That's one rail on that track leading to spiritual maturity. The other rail is God's part. And that's where I want to get to John chapter 15. So John chapter 15 is where I want us to look, the first five verses. And as we move through this passage of Scripture, let me just give you, let me give you a bit of a rundown real quickly, a little, little of the context. Jesus, we can take that off the, off the uh, overhead, if you would, for just a moment. Whenever Jesus is coming towards the end of his ministry, uh, the time is coming very, very soon by the time we get to John 15. The time is coming very close for him to be crucified. And so he's spending just the last remaining significant moment with his disciples in a place called the Upper Room. It's there that he would have the Last Supper. He's going to spend this very engaging time of worship with these disciples. He's going to wash their feet. He's going to present himself as a humble servant. He's going to share things with them that they would need to hear that would be imperative in regards to their walks in the days to come. And when that time would close, Judas Iscariot, who would betray him, would basically be sent out to do what he's going to do. And so Jesus then is left as they leave the upper room with just he himself and his 11 faithful disciples. Well, as they leave the upper room, they make their way towards a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would be arrested. And ultimately, all the, uh, the, the events surrounding his crucifixion would begin to, to roll into motion there. As they're traveling from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, They're making their way just as you and I would. They are walking this walk. And if you look in your scriptures, if you go back to chapter 14 in John, you'll see a lot of red words beginning. If you move all the way through chapter 17, what you'll find is a lot of red words all the way through there. Three and a half chapters of red word, four chapters of red words capturing the words of Jesus. Here's what was happening. More than likely what most scholars believe is that as Jesus was walking with his 11 faithful disciples from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's talking and he's teaching and he's talking and he's teaching. And as he travels and as he speaks, John captures for us chapters 14 through 17 what he shares. Now as they would travel that road, there would, there would be more than likely many, many instances where there would be olive gardens, where there would be vineyards there because it was, um, that, that was reflective of that culture, it was reflective of that, that part of the world at that time. And so Jesus in John 15 more than likely would point to one of those vineyards And he would choose to use that vineyard as a living visual illustration of an important principle in our walks regarding our growth in Christ. And that's what leads us to John chapter 15. And so pick up with me here. Chapter 15, we're gonna begin in verse one and read through verse five, and then we'll begin to break it down a little bit and make some application. Verse one, Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is giving a visual example here. It's an analogy of what growth in Christ looks like. Remember, that's one track with two rails. One rail is the part that we play, and we cannot expect to grow separated from prayer and reliance upon the Holy Spirit. It's in John 15, I believe, that Jesus captures the other rail of that track that leads to spiritual growth, and that's God's part. And here he lays out for us in a beautiful illustration, a very, very clear illustration of what God does to grow the follower of Jesus Christ. So let's move back through a little bit more slowly, and we're gonna see some of the key players, and we're gonna see the, uh, the action that God takes. Jesus says in John 15, verse one, he says, I am the true vine, speaking of himself. And then he says, my father is the vine dresser or the master gardener. It, it is the father, God the father, who is the one responsible For taking care of the garden, so to speak. Jesus is the vine, the Father is the vine dresser. You move on again to verse two. He says, Every branch in me. Now, who are the branches? Here's where you and I come in. The branch in this illustration is every believer in Jesus, every person in a relationship with God through faith in Christ. And so, in a sense, that applies to you and applies to me. If you've given your life to Christ, you're a branch. So if you've got a little program, right, you just showed up for the play, you've got a little program, it's going to say, the part of the vine is being played by Jesus Christ. The part of the vine dresser is being played by God the Father, and the part of the branch is being played by your name, all right, if you know Jesus. So you you understand, that's kind of what we're looking at. Those are the three players. God the Father is the vine dresser, he's the master gardener, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches that are engrafted into that vine. Jesus says here in verse two, he says, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he says, the gardener, the the vine dresser, the father takes away. Now that does not necessarily mean that it's possible for us to lose our salvation. Other parts of scripture make that too clear for us. A Christian never loses his or her salvation. However, it is possible for us that if we become stagnant in our walks with God, and if we come to a place where we are in a rut, and that goes on for an extended period, period of time. And if we become uh, indicative of one who does not grow any longer, our growth in Christ is stunted, then we will lose our effectiveness, we will lose our joy, we'll lose the fulfillment that comes from a growing relationship with Christ. And so Jesus is saying here, there are consequences for our failure to grow as a follower of, uh, of Christ. He goes on to say, every branch, however, that bears fruit, he, God the Father, the vine dresser, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. And that's where I want to camp out for a moment. The vine dresser, God the Father, is the one who prunes the branch. It's God the Father who is responsible as we do our part in communication with him in prayer, as we rely on the Holy Spirit. God the Father also takes responsibility for our growth. He's the one who prunes us. What does that look like? Well, let's just take a look in the gardening world for a moment. That if you've ever tended a garden, if you have fruit trees in your yard, if you've ever done that at all, then you understand this, that a gardener must prune if he expects to have growth during the growing season. If he does not prune, he should not expect any growth, he should not expect any fruit. He will typically prune in two ways. One way is that that gardener will come to the vine and he will cut off ruthlessly any dead wood that's there. All right, say you pruned back a, uh, a tree or a shrub uh, and a couple of seasons ago, and rather than producing more growth, say that, that little part that you pruned away, say it has begun to die a good gardener, a master gardener will come and he will ruthlessly prune away that dead wood. Why is that important? Because that dead wood typically will harbor insects. It will harbor disease. And if it's not cut away ruthlessly, that, that those insects, that disease will begin to inflict the remainder and the rest of that plant. And it will, it will, it will wreak havoc over the whole entire plant itself, over the whole entire vine. And so any good gardener is going to ruthlessly cut away that dead wood because it's imperative for the growth of that plant. Here's what God does. God at times in our lives, as the master gardener, will also cut away the dead wood of our lives. He will be faithful, and he is faithful for all those who know him, that as you produce fruit in your life, he will come as the master gardener, God the Father, and he will begin to prune in your life. He will cut away those things that are dead wood, so to speak, in your life. So what does that look like? Have have you ever had instances in your life where it seemed as though things that you had once trusted in began to just sort of fade? Maybe you trusted so much in a job and your hours got severely cut. Or maybe you trusted in a, you were in a dating relationship and you, you may remember this, you know, those days when you were dating and that person broke your heart and they broke up with you and you thought, I can never live again you know, I'll never live. And you're thinking like Disney songs all going through your head and all you know, things are just falling apart and you, I'll never be the same. And then like, you know, a week later or maybe a few years later, you met that person and you look back and you're like, boy, I'm so glad that didn't really work out. Yeah. That, that's kind of like God pruning, right? He will cut away. Now you can tell that person, if you want call him up and say, Hey, you bunch of dead wood. <laughs> yeah, I guess that just came to me. Maybe I should have said that. Um, but God at times will, he will do that. He'll prune away the dead wood in our lives. And there are times when we, begin, we, we don't know what's going on at times. Now, now understand, there are times where tragedy comes. We live in a fallen world and our enemy is alive and at work. So I'm not saying every bad thing that's ever happened to you, that's God of their pruning away. God will use the enemy's work for good. But sometimes the consequences that we have in our lives come from living in a fallen, hard world. But then there are times where God will use those consequences to prune us. And the goal is not to hurt us. The goal is to make us more like Jesus. So a gardener will cut away that dead wood that doesn't belong. Have you ever seen God take things out of your life that today you know you really didn't need? But when it happened, it really, really hurt. It's because he loves you. And he's faithful to tend you so that you will grow in Christ. A master gardener will also cut away not just the dead wood, but he will also even cut into the living wood at times. It's the second way he prunes. I, uh, I had a watermelon garden this past year. I'm no watermelon farmer. And if you'd have come to my watermelon garden, you would have seen that I'm no watermelon farmer. But I read a lot, and I studied, and I got online, and I drove Susie crazy. And uh, one of the things I learned was that when that watermelon vine begins to, to put out the, the blooms and they you know, they become the fruit. They said you can let those, the, that fruit grow all over the vine if you want, but really if you want to produce good watermelons, you need to go to some of those that look healthy and you need to just take them off so that the energy of the vine will not go all over. It will be directed to just one or two specific blooms so that it can produce the best fruit possible. If you've ever had a garden or a shrub, you've seen kind of those... Uh, you know, the, those, those branches that shoot off kind of all by themselves. And they're alive. They're living. But if, if, you're, if you're not faithful to cut away that live wood, all the energy of the plant will go to produce something that's not needed. To have the best plants, you have to prune. You have to cut back even into the live wood. And there are times where God does that for us. He's faithful to prune. Maybe for you, you've experienced that where you've, you've said things like this. You know what? I've been going to church, and, and I, I've been reading my Bible, and, you know, I even joined choir. Or I joined a Sunday school class Or I started serving. And, and, you know, I'm doing my best. And I just don't understand. It seems like my life keeps getting harder. You know, it seems like, you know, these people are testing my patience. And it, it seems like things aren't working out the way that I wish they would. And I don't know what's going on. You know, God, I, I, I thought if I'd started doing all this stuff right, you'd, you'd kind of cut me a little slack, you know, like it's some deal or something. And, and, and it doesn't work that way. There are times when God will prune us even when we're doing right. And in this passage, it says that if the, if, if the, uh, uh, ultimately if the vine is producing fruit, he will prune those. God cuts into the live wood of our lives at times. If we want to be patient, he's going to uh, allow opportunities for our ta- patience to be tested. Why? To find that our patience I- is not in us. It's when we rely upon the Holy Spirit to produce it through us that we become patient people. The list goes on and on. And so for some of you... Maybe you've been facing some times like that where you've know you're, you've been confused, you've, you've been hurting, you've been reeling a little bit because you've not understood that God is a God who loves you so greatly. He wants you to grow in Christ. And there's a part that you and I play where we become people of prayer, we become reliant on the Holy Spirit but there's a part that God plays and that part that He plays is to prune us. Cutting away the dead wood, cutting into the live wood. And He does it masterfully. And He does it always exactly on time. And he does it with an intent to make us more like Christ, which is where life is found. Look at what it says in verse four. Verse four, he says, Jesus says this 10 times in this passage. He says, abide in me and I in you. So you've got a part to play, I've got a part to play. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Next verse, verse five. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, Jesus says. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Spiritual growth is married to prayer and reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Married to it. Cannot take it away and expect to grow. But God's part is that he will faithfully prune us. As we walk with him, as we lean into him, he will prune us to make us more like the person of Jesus Christ. And there is great, great, great hope to be found there. Let me show you a couple things real quickly before we begin to close. You may wonder, well, Brooks, I don't see where you come up with prayer, and I don't see how you come up with the Holy Spirit in that passage of Scripture. Just go back one chapter to chapter 14. Remember, those chapters, 14 through 17, are probably one conversation Jesus is having as he's walking from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. Notice what he says one chapter before. This would have been part of the same conversation. Look at chapter 14, verse 13. Jesus speaks a prayer. He says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now it doesn't mean, <laughs> it doesn't mean that whatever we ask for, you know, like a bigger, better car and more money and another house. It doesn't, it's, it's, he's not, you know, becoming a genie here. It's not what Jesus is going for. He's saying that as you grow and mature in your relationship with me, you will understand my heart, you will understand my mind, you'll understand my will better than ever before. You will be better positioned then to pray according to my will in my name. And when you do that, he says, I will give whatever you ask. You see, our prayer is directly tied to our spiritual maturity. You go on just two verses later, that same chapter, chapter 14, verse 16. He says, I'll ask the Father, He'll give you another helper. That's the Holy Spirit that he may be with you forever. That's the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. You see, in this same conversation, Jesus is saying, my father is the vine dresser. He will prune you. That's his part. But he's also saying, come, talk to me, ask. And I'm going to also give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. Rely upon him, trust in him. And when you put all that together, what we find is, is that as we are married to prayer, as we are married to reliance upon the Holy Spirit, as we can pray constantly, God, live your life through me. Give me what I need to face my challenges. Give me what I need that I might make the right decisions. Give me the wisdom. Give me the mind of Christ. Give me the heart and compassion, the love of Christ. Make me into the image of Jesus. As we pray for that, and as he does that, as we rely on the Holy Spirit, and he prunes us, what we find is, we become different than where we started we're not the same people. Why? Because we are growing in Christ. So here's what I want to encourage you with as we close. I want to encourage you to ask the question, what then do I need to do to grow further and deeper in my relationship with Jesus? What is the status of my prayer life today? Am I married to prayer or am I simply dating it? What about my reliance upon the Holy Spirit? Am I married to that, or am I simply dating it? I dabble with it from time to time. But by and large, Brooks, truth be told, I'm kind of leading my own life. And then third, are you willing to let God be the master gardener that he is to prune and to shape and to mold in your life so that you can become more like his son, Jesus Christ himself? You know, when you begin to look at the stakes... Of all that and how it all fits, that as we know God, He wants us to grow deep. And if we're not growing deep, we're probably not going to show Him. And if we're not growing deep, we're probably not going to go with the gospel. Countless people will fail to see Him through our lives. Countless people will fail to hear the message that can change their lives, all because we're not growing. There's a lot at stake here. And when you look at what's at stake, it is inevitable there are going to be some enemies. And I just want to give you a few. I keep saying I'm done. I've got a couple more minutes and I'll be done. What are some quick enemies? of growing in Christ. Number one is complacency. Just getting complacent. You know, it's like you're sitting in the sun at one moment, and then a couple of hours later, you realize, you know, it's getting kind of cold. And you look up, and the sun's gone. There's nothing but dark clouds. You didn't even realize it. Maybe for you, that's where you are. You were once so close to God, but somewhere along the way, you don't know where it happened or how it happened or how long ago it happened, but the dark clouds rolled in, and you're not growing anymore. Maybe for you, God is calling you back to conversation, prayer. He's calling you back to trust, to relying and surrendering to the power and the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. Complacency is one huge enemy to growing in Christ. Another enemy to growing in Christ is apathy. That's another step further. You know what? When I talk with couples, if they're bickering and fighting and arguing, and even in mine and Susie's relationship, we don't have the perfect marriage. None of us do. There are times when sometimes we'll have disagreements. Whenever that happens, you know what? That's not necessarily a horrible sign the horrible sign is when one says, you know what, I don't even care anymore. That's, that's the death knell. And for some, perhaps for you even today, it's not just that you're complacent, it's that you don't care anymore about growing in your relationship with God. And I don't have a remedy for that. I don't have a remedy outside of, if you're truly a follower of Jesus, if you know him, of simply falling on your face and praying, oh God, change and melt this heart that has become hardened and cold towards you complacency, apathy, and then the last enemy that I see, and there are many others, but the last would be just simple disengagement, disengaging, disengaging from God, not spending time in His Word anymore, not being faithful and intensive and uh, intentional about spending time with Him in prayer or Bible study, uh, not not spending time with His people. You know, here at our church... In adult ministry, the two primary things that we do to try to equip people to grow is our Sunday school and our dive ministries, providing Bible studies for people to grow in community with each other. And yet on any given Sunday, I'm not, you know, I'm not getting on people, I'm just stating what I see. On any given Sunday, probably at least half of our people, after leaving a worship service, will have not engaged in a small group Bible study. It's just disengagement. Disengaging from the body of Christ, disengaging from opportunities to grow deep. You know, I hope for you that as we leave this place here in just a few moments, sometime today, that you will carve out some time for you and you'll just simply have conversation with the God who saved you. And I hope that in the midst of that conversation, somewhere with all of your heart, you'll be able to say, God, here's where I am and here's where I want to be. Would you come and do the work in me to prune and to shape and to mold with your love and your grace and your perfect care? that I might become more like Jesus. God will do his part. He invites us to do ours. And when all is said and done, I believe we'll look back and we'll be grateful that we did what we should have to grow in our relationship with him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being a God who is so incredibly faithful to us. Lord, we thank you that in the midst of a fallen world, you provide us with your spirit, who indwells every believer, every follower of Christ, God in us, to equip us, to encourage us, and direct us, and to mold us, to produce fruit in our lives that look like you. So God, we don't want to be the same people we've always been. We don't want to look back and and with a tear in our eye realize that once we accepted Christ, we never really went deep with you. God, we'll never reach this community in this city unless we're a church that has depth and maturity to our walks. We'll never grow spiritually unless we're faithful to go there with you in prayer and study of your word, relying upon your Holy Spirit. God, I, I hope that perhaps more than anything else for this church, God, that we would be deep and mature. And Lord, as we grow deep in our relationship with you, God, that will send us sprinting outside these doors to a world that needs a Savior to show you and to go with the gospel. But God, it will not happen will not unless we are married to prayer and conversation with you, reliance and trust in your Holy Spirit, to your word that molds and speaks and shapes us. So God, do whatever you need to do today in us, we pray. God, whatever decisions we need to make to apply this message to our lives, God, help us to do it and to see that it's not so much of what you're asking from us as much as it is what you have for us. And we don't want to miss that, not even for the world. For those that don't know you today, God, lead them, I pray, to give their lives to Jesus right where they sit, to forgive them and to take over. Bless our decisions now, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.